I couldn't get a hold of anybody. Oh my God. Like literally no one. My mom didn't pick up. My dad didn't pick up. My two best girlfriends didn't pick up. My boyfriend was out surfing, didn't pick up. Like literally could not get a hold of anybody for about an hour. So when they did call me, you know, they're like, hey, what's up? I was like, oh, I got Alphaba. And they were like freaking out. And they're like, why are you not more excited? And I was like, I will. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Quincy. My name's Kevin. And this is Sentimental Men. But keep your thumb away from that skip button. We're here to talk. And maybe scream. About our favorite women in musical theater. Look what I got. Listeners, you can't see, but I'll narrate. I'm showing Kevin right now my signed position CD that is framed. Quincy. And also, what I'm going to put next to it is my signed folklore CD. Why are you like this? <laughs> so while we're on the topic of folklore, Kevin, have you listened to it yet? No. <laughs> First of all, Kevin's not a Taylor Swift fan. I'm not. I don't actively dislike her. I can get down with like the bops, you know what I mean? But the fact that you don't actively dislike her makes me think that you just haven't listened to her en enough to be a fan. Anyways, when Folklore came out, Kevin texted me and was like, okay, I think if there's going to be a Taylor Swift album that I like- It's going to be this one. This was months ago and you have not listened. I know. Well, it took you two and a half years to watch Drag Race, so- So we're even. <laughs> even. I'm really excited about the guests we have today. Me too. A wicked- Staple. A Wicked Staple. I've been a fan of hers for a long time. I remember being outraged, but then also very fortunate when this actress was the only member of the revival cast of Hair that didn't go to London. I remember being so upset for her. I was like, she didn't go with all her friends. But then I was like, but she's still on the show here, so it's fine. <laughs> that cast really turned into a moment where everyone was like, oh, this cast is special. Totally did, yeah. I mean, I guess I kind of gives it away. Well, well, I can't just give out one credit off of her resume. <laughs> so after appearing in the 2009 revival of Hair, she joined the first national tour of Wicked in 2010, the Broadway company in 2011, and then in 2014, she stood by for the role of Liz slash Beth in the Broadway production of If Then, then went out on tour as Lizbeth in 2016. 2017, she was back in the Broadway company of Wicked. And then 2018, she's back out on the road with Wicked in the second national tour while it was doing the sit-down in Los Angeles. Stamina. The stamina, Quincy. We will be speaking to Miss Jackie Burns today. Oh, Jackie, we're like gonna speak to Jackie Burns in like a matter of minutes. A matter of minutes. Actually, a matter of literal minutes. So Kevin, do we want to do Stuck on SJB right now? I can do a lightning round. Love it. Okay. So today's Stuck on SJB is actually a Stuck on SJB and Friends because today's Stuck on SJB is a celebration of Stephanie J. Block, Megan Hilty, Allison Janney, and Dolly Parton. Okay, nine to five. Get out and stay out. Masterclass another time. So I'm going to talk about Shine Like the Sun because Shine Like the Sun is a brilliantly written song by Dolly Parton. She should write a hundred more musicals. I think she's one of the best songwriters that we have. So Shine Like the Sun is a very Dolly Parton melody and that it's very rangy. And then on top of that, it is arranged so beautifully for like a woman who's a tenor and then like a mezzo singing alto and then like a proper mezzo. So first of all, thrilling arrangements. It's true. Very different vocal types. Very different. To write a song for. It's masterful. But one of the things that I love about this song is that First of all, Stephanie J. Block singing No Good Deed at the top of the song, High Camp. That moment gave me life when life. I was a child. I love an inside joke. God bless Dolly Parton for putting it in. God bless Stephanie J. for putting up with it. Okay. 
So Stephanie J. Block's verse on this song, I love because we get to hear like her delicious lower register. It is so chesty and it's got such a different tone to it. Then This is when Mark Kudish is in the truck, the trunk, right? When he's getting in the trunk. Yes. Yeah. And so then that's yummy. And then thrilling a leap up to her upper register on the chorus, which is the highest pingiest part of her voice. It's so satisfying Mm -hmm. and just two more parts that the listeners should go and check out first of all love the spoken line on i'll be fine i love it and i love the absolutely stunning full chest open throat attack on the word sun the last time she sings it when she says when it's all said and done i'm gonna shine like the sunshine Mm. and the ensemble comes in because she's like going into a key change and so it's like so big and exciting and she literally like carries the ensemble into the key change uh it's i can't it's so good i also really love her entrance in that show when the ensemble opens up and she dreams and plans are it's in so, the making. I'm just like, oh. An ingenue. And we on. love Stephanie J. Block as an ingenue. I'm going to listen to 9 to 5 in the shower tonight. I hope you enjoy it. Jackie Burns, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, It is a pleasure to have you. We were just saying this all came together so quickly and Quincy and I sat down to do our intro today and we were like, wait, we're talking to Jackie Burns today. That is so exciting. It feels so nice being an out-of-work actress that somebody even knows who I am. So thank you. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) The people know. So I guess to start, as we start every episode, tell us about when Wicked first entered your life as a person, not as an actress, but when did you first hear about the musical Wicked? So this musical has had a huge effect on my life. My very first job out of college was Tokyo Disney in Japan. And I had never been out of the country before. And my parents drove into the city. I'm from Connecticut, but they drove into the city to New York to um, have dinner with me and bring me to the airport the next morning because it was the first time their little girl was going out of the country, you know. (laughs) And so we saw a show that night before I left and it was Wicked in previews. (gasps) Tay Diggs was Fiero. Oh my Um, God. You saw Tay Diggs? So, and I was lucky enough, the guy I was dating at the time, one of his friends was in the show and got us house seats. So I was like, you know, fourth row center, like the best seats ever. From the second that orchestra, the downbeat hit, it was like such a visceral feeling that I had never had before. I literally teared up. I I just remember after Wizard and I, I was like, wait, what just happened? Like I had never seen an 11 o'clock number five minutes into the show. Do you know what I mean? What did I just witness? That woman just did what? She's been on stage for five minutes. Because Wicked really raised the bar with like belting on Broadway. Oh my, literally it hadn't been done like that yet. It was yeah. like, smack you in the face, smack your mama. Like, she's going to do that again? Are you kidding me? It was crazy. And then I remember, I don't know why she was crying, but Adina was crying at the curtain call. And oh. like, she was holding hands, you know, with tape, like squeezing her hand. And like, you could see, because it was so close. It was just so like, I was like, I shouldn't be seeing all this. Yeah. And it was very emotional. And I just was like, God, that poor woman. I don't I mean, like, what she just did was so crazy. I'd be crying too. That was insane. Yeah. And then I remember going, went to Japan. I was in the Broadway Review Encore. And we all watched, I remember watching the Tony Awards and all the girls in my dressing room were like, oh my God, that's a role for you, Jackie. And I was like, I know, I'm going to play that role someday. I'm going to play that role someday. I swear I'm going to play that role someday. 
So after seeing the show, like when you saw the show that night, were you like, this is for me? Oh, I looked at my mom and I was like, I want to play that role someday. How many times did you see Wicked before you were in the show? That was it. That was it. Oh my gosh. I love that. Normally I don't ever see something more than once. So it was funny when I had my audition and I also don't sing show tunes ever. Really? So you were like a theater kid. Yeah. Like for me, it's like, I want to be at a baseball game. Not because I don't appreciate it. It's just like, that's where my head goes. And so, yeah, like I appreciate theater and I love going to see it, but I'm not fanatical in that respect. Mm -hmm. My musical theater knowledge is not what it should be for Mm -hmm. someone who performs in musical theater. And I remember my agent, the first audition I got was for Oliver and him being like, so sing something in the style of the show. And I was like, well, what's that? (laughs) Can't they just give me something? I don't know in the style of it. And I just like Google it. Like it was this. Wait, so you went to school for straight acting, was singing, like you knew you could sing, right? Yeah, I always felt like, and I'm, you know, I think there's different schools of thoughts. I always feel like if you can sing, you can sing. And I've Mm -hmm. always been the type of singer that like, I don't really know, I guess, like, I just do it, right? You know, for me, it's more born out of storytelling. It's because the story can't propel any further unless I sing about it, right? So for me, when I was thinking of going to school, acting was the most important thing for me because I think you can take voice lessons, but I think to have a solid acting foundation is so, so important. Did you train your voice at all or is it just natural? Yeah. So I started taking voice lessons after I played Alphabet for a year on the tour. And when I went to Broadway the first time, I started taking voice lessons. You did a whole contract as Alphabet? I know. Yeah. So How? How did you do that? It's more a mental thing. And I really think Mm. it's such a, like all of us girls, it's it's such a mental game that we play with ourselves of like, we you can go really crazy in that role. So for me, it wasn't that like my singing got exponentially better. It's like I like believed in myself in a way I was like, oh, this is okay. Like I, I'm not hurting myself because you've heard so many horror stories. Like when I went in, I had heard so many horror stories. Like, oh, this girl, yeah. you know, hurt herself or that girl. So I was like, oh God, I shouldn't be able to do this. I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And then getting a voice teacher and studying with my voice teacher for the last 10 years. It's just being like, no, Jackie, you, you can do this. Like yeah. you're, you're good. You're healthy. And it's just that secondary. It's like going to therapy where they're like, no, you're okay. Like it's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How far into your contract did you get into voice lessons? I started right before I started on Broadway. Okay. So I did it the year I tour without taking voice lessons. And then I knew I was going to Broadway and I had the summer off. So I started then. And what was really great is that with Alphaba, you are using a very certain part of your chords and like the middle part is getting the most of it, the work, you know, and you're not really using your soprano or really your low, low notes, you know. So for me, what was really great is going and working my soprano, which kept me healthy in my middle mm-hmm. and actually made my belt higher. The higher I started, like being able to sing soprano made my belt that much easier and freer. Kevin always says the best alphabas are sopranos. Oh yeah. I sing, I always say like, I'm like, I'm a much better soprano singer than I am belter. You'd never know. Cause I look like me and I'll never be like the girl next door, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Like I warm up on all soprano songs. Oh, that's so interesting. I love that. And what an interesting perspective to go through such a journey with your own voice after you had already done this role and then you kind of went through this as you were doing it again and then you came back to it later again. Oh my God. I also, a big thing that changed, I think, my performance on a whole was like meditation and the fact that with Elphaba, what's so hard about her is that the second you walk into that theater, you sit down in that chair 
And while everybody else gets to like kiki and walk around and like do their own makeup and have some time alone or whatever they want, you know, just kind of live their best life. You are saddled to that chair. You have somebody in your face painting you. You have somebody, you know, doing your hair. You have people coming in and out, giving you notes and, you know, stage manager and you're, you know, like, and then you go out on stage and then you're on stage the entire time. Right. And then you get off defying gravity. You get out of levitator. You basically get to pee and you sit back down in that chair for all of intermission and almost all of the first 10 minutes of the show getting re-green. You never have any downtime and you never have any time to yourself. And it's a lot of energy to take on. Mm-hmm. And I think what changed so much about my performance from the sec- when I went back is that I was mandatory that I had to have two minutes by myself before the show mm-hmm. to sit and just meditate and breathe and harness my energy so that I was in control of the show rather than it like me just being on the ride and like holding on and hoping to like... And so it really made the whole experience so much more fun where the first time I felt the show ran me and I wasn't able to quite get a hold on it. This time it was like, no, I, I had the show. So walk us through what your audition process was like the first time you got it. And then what like the aspects were the two other times you came back, three other times, two. (laughs) It's actually a really funny story with me with Wicked. So I was doing hair on Broadway and that was my Broadway debut. And I had just moved in with my husband at the time. We weren't married at the time, but like we had just moved in together and I was madly in love. And and our original cast was, everyone was going to London and they were bringing in a new cast. And I, idiot that I was, I don't know what I was thinking. Young Jackie, who's young in love was like, no, I don't want to go to London. I'm just going to stay because I want to be with my boyfriend. I remember like being in high school when that happened and seeing that the whole cast went. And I think you and Jay did not. There was a few. There was yeah. Yeah, there was a couple. But I remember being like, all their friends are going to London, like very teenage dramatic of me. (laughs) And then five minutes later being like, but you know what? If I go back and see it again, that means that she'll be in the show. So it's fine. No. <laughs> day, I feel like some of my best work was hair. Yeah, uh, I loved that. I loved the show. That product. It was, that was so fun. good. Well, I was an idiot and was like, like looking back, I'm like I could have been in London and like on my drop, like gone to Paris for the day or like, yeah. what were you thinking? But I was an idiot. I was like, I don't want to leave my boyfriend. So I didn't want to leave. <laughs> and then I was doing Smokey Joe's at Paper Mill Cafe at Paper Mill Playhouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the cafe at Paper Mill Playhouse. Yeah. And my agents call me and they're like, hey, we have an audition for you for the understudy on the Wicked Tour, the Alphabet Understudy the Wicked Tour. And I was like, oh. no, I don't want to go on tour. I don't want to leave. And they're like, okay. So I was like, pass. A week later, they call and they're like, okay, we have an audition for you for the standby Alphaba on the tour. And I was like, no, I don't want to leave. I don't want to go on tour. Wow, even standby. No, I was like, no. And then a week later after that, my agent calls and he's like, okay, I have an audition for the role of Alphaba on the tour and you are doing it. You are the <laughs> biggest pain in my butt. Do not tell me because they won't see you again. I'm not turning down another audition. And little did I know, I guess the music director had seen me in hair. And in hair, there was this little part at the end, the flesh fa- failures that were using face nation. And it's all like F's and like ridiculous. Yeah. And I sang that. So he was like, who's this girl over here belting like cues? And why is she not coming into play? Blah, blah, blah. So I guess they had put in a request to see me. And I kept being like, no, no, thank no. <laughs> you know, like, I love that. Who the hell do you think you are? And that's probably how, why I got it because I didn't want to get it. You like didn't care? Yeah, it was like, 
I mean, I'm going to go in an audition, but that's just because like you yelled at me and told me I had to, but like, I'm not going to do it. You know, yeah. like, I feel like that's kind of a common thread that we've heard so far is like so many of the successful auditions are people who went in and they were like, I don't care. They're not going to cast me in this. Oh, I'm yeah. just going in to sing the songs, like whatever. Yeah. When you have a job is the best time to be auditioning for other jobs. So I went on a Tuesday and then I had a callback on Wednesday, the next day. And then I had another callback on Friday and then I had my final call on Monday. And each time it got like uh, whittled down. So the first time I went in for Lisa, the associate director and Craig Burns, the casting director. And then the next day I went in for Lisa and Craig and then Stephen Aremus. And I remember this was the funny thing, like Wizard and I, you only do from unlimited to the end. Mm-hmm. I remember singing it and then him coming over to the piano and be like, yeah, cool. So just a few notes. So like the next time you do it, you know, like, and I'm like, okay, next time you come in. And I was like, oh, well, that's a good thing. I'm coming back in. Okay, great. But then I literally starts giving me notes and I'm not shitting you. By the time he finished, there were more notes than I had sung. On just the end of The Wizard and I? Yeah, just from Unlimited to the end. And you could, he could see my face because I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, but you're doing really well. You're like, am I? <laughs> so, but okay. And then on Friday, I had just a one-on-one work session with Lisa in a room at Telsey where they was just like, okay, and then do this. And they're going to want you to do this. And like basically kept me for Joe Montello and Steven Schwartz. And then on Monday, I went in in the morning and it was three of us. Were you invested by this point? Like, were you like, I want this? No, I still, and I think that's why I remember I was reading an Us Weekly. Like I was so <laughs> at it. I, didn't, I was like, but yeah. So I just remember sitting there like reading my Us Weekly and the two girls ahead of me went on and then I was the last person and I went in and then I got into the elevator with the girl that was my reader and she was really sweet. And she just was like, you did really well. And then I got off the subway. It was like 20 minutes. And was like walking up the subway thing, and my agents were calling, and I was like, "No way!" Twenty minutes, like literally, yeah. And I was like, "There's no way, there's no way." And I picked up my phone, and they were like, "Hey, Alpha," <gasps> and I was like, "What? No!" Yeah. <laughs> and then that agent that was like, "You're going in. I'm gonna kill you. You're the biggest pain in the ass client I have." When they like then called, like you know, a week later with like the actual yeah. contract and like money and all that, it was for a year. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm Literally looking back at it, I'm like, who the, what? <laughs> and I was like, I'll do, I'll do six months tops. I love this energy though. I'm trying to be like this in my day to day. I don't have it anymore. And I'm like, yeah. Lisa, can I have a job? <laughs> so funny. And my, my agent was like, uh, they're not going to go for six months. It'll cost more money getting your costumes and like, it won't be worth, you know, with rehearsal, rehearsal, you've never done the role before. Like, and at that point you always stood by and then would get bumped up. They very Mm -hmm. rarely had a girl just go straight into the role. So like, it already was like a big deal that I was going straight into the role. So he was like enough. He was like, all right, I'll try for nine months. And I was like, Oh, fine. Jackie. (laughs) But the funny thing, is is that my agent at the time phil was like but just so you know wicked has a tendency to getting what they want so if they offered you a year i bet you're gonna stay for a year and i was like no i'm not did i stay for a year yes i did not only did you stay for a year aren't you the alphabo with the most performances on broadway i'm the longest running on broadway yeah so you were like six months tops i was like six months top and then i was like i'll do it forever but it was funny because like at the end of my nine month contract your tour contract my short, yeah, my first contract, they flew in to Florida, like Joe Montel and Steven Schwartz. And it was like my audition for Broadway. They came and saw the show. And Did you know that that was happening when they came? Yeah, it was very stressful. <laughs> yeah. Did you sing the score that night or did you option? I am a, see, okay, I'm a weirdo in the fact that 
if you can't sing the option eight times a week, then I don't want to do it. Mm. I don't want to give you like all of a sudden I'm feeling fierce on Thursday and I'm going to give you all the options. And then on Friday now I'm tired. And then the Friday night that paid just as much as Thursday doesn't get the same show. I have guilt. If I can't do it eight times a week, then like I shouldn't do it. So I actually really in my wicked career built up like the first contract on tour. I sang the score as is. When I went to Broadway, I took up like... You did the Fiero option. I think I did the Fiero option. And then my last Broadway contract is when I took up everything. Like I took up the end of Wizard and I, and I took up the middle of Wizard. Like, you know, the things that I could take up eight times a week. And I also was very adamant about like doing eight shows a week and not doing six or seven. Like I was like, I want to be able to... Because that's just me as like a human. Like No, I love that. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Like that's why I've never been able to justify in my mind the end of defying gravity although i glorify and love all the witches that like do those fierce refs at the end because they are amazing but my voice is very much run on acting and if i can't justify it in my mind my voice like just stops it's like no we're not doing that you do, you're not you're not 100 percent invested and that you know the big f you is what she's essentially saying i can't justify for some reason a riff there because purely i would say emphatically like F you, done, I'm out. Yeah. I wouldn't be like, F you know, I just, right, like, right, it right. just <laughs> I can't just it acting wise in my mind. Yeah. So when you came back to Broadway and back to tour, were they just asks and you were like, yes, or did you have to re-audition? No, I never, thank God. <laughs> but when I finished Wicked on Broadway the first time, I immediately then went into If Then, which David Stone, the producer of Wicked, who's yeah. like, my biggest champion and like my careers because of him. And so he, I went and did if then again, I didn't want to go on tour. <laughs> and he was like, Oh no, Jackie, you're doing the tour. He was like, I'm having Adina do the first three months and you're doing the last seven months. And I was like, no, I don't. And he was like, no, you're doing it. Like, it's just, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. And also it was very sweet because David had thought that if then would be like another next to normal and have yeah. that kind of run. So in his mind, he already, like, I was going to replace Adina, period, on Broadway and take over the role after her. Uh, so when that didn't happen, it was very much in his mind. He was like, okay, well, you're playing the role, though. So, right. Like, we have to get you in there. Yeah. yeah. It was so lovely. That's so nice. And then when I got back, that's when I went back to Wicked. Which was that, like, an exciting thing to do? You know what? I honestly, it was really funny because, speaking of Alphabuzz, I had gone and seen Sunday in the Park with George with my friend Teal Wicks. <clears throat> yeah. But when they asked me to come back to Broadway, Teal and I had just saw Sunday in the Park with George. And like, literally, we both were like, I haven't had an audition forever. You? And she's like, no. And we both were like, I don't even understand what's going on. Like, it's like, yeah. even blacklist. You're like, do we suck? No, we're like, did all of a sudden their memo go out that we don't yeah. <laughs> We both were so confused because it had been like months since either one of us had had an audition. And we, were, and we both went, God, at this point, I'd go back to Wicked. Just like, <laughs> like <laughs> And then, <laughs> and then literally the next day I was in a bookstore and my manager texted me and said, call me ASAP Broadway offer. <gasps> and I was like, Broadway offer? I haven't had any auditions. How am I getting a Broadway offer? I was like, this is great. What? And she's like, Jack. And I was like, yeah. She's like, um, so Wicked called. And I immediately got like the hot and pricklies in the back of my neck. I was like, huh? You're like, <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> she's like, and they want you to come back. And no witch has ever been back to do a full contract ever. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. Glinda's have come back to do like right. full contracts, like done like, you know, year contracts, but they've never had an alphabet. So in my mind, my mind immediately went to, yeah. oh, they like, 
sometimes they need like a tweener, like if they're like have another coming in, right. but it's like a two month, you know. And I was yeah. like, okay, for how long? And they were, and she was like, a year. And I was like, what? No, no, no. I was like, no. But the caveat was they wanted me to be the face of Wicked. Right. She was like, so the reason they want you to come back is that they're going to film two commercials that are going to last, last, you know, run the next ten years. They're going to do all new B roll. They're going to mm-hmm. do all new press shots. And David wants you to, you know, like be the face of Wicked. Yeah. I was going to say we all grew up with that Stephanie J. Block commercial that is playing in the lobby mm-hmm. of the Gershwin, and like you to are going day. to be that. Yeah, to this day, but like you are going to be that for like a whole new generation of Wicked stands. Yeah, which is like, come on, that's so special. Come to find out that they had been working on this commercial, these two commercial storyboarding, and working on it for the last two years, and like been discussing who they wanted to like. So it was very like you know, considering oh. that like you know. Honestly, wanted me to be the. That's crazy. Like, never in my wildest dreams that I think I'd be playing this part. Like, I dreamed about it. And then when I was doing Wicked that last time on Broadway, they came up to me and they, the LA sit down was very important to David and Mark, the producers, because mm-hmm. of the movie coming up. And which, like, is that ever coming? <laughs> I know, right? But yeah, so with it being at Universal, you know, like Universal being there and they knew all the people would be coming. They really wanted to make sure that the show, they, whatever. Anyway, so they asked me and Kara to go and do the LA sit down. Which must've been a lot of fun. Cause I feel like it must've felt like an all-star cast is coming back. Yeah, it was very, I mean, like, and I had never done it with Kara and I'd, I'd never, I didn't know Kara, but I just heard amazing things about her and people always would be like, oh my God, I wish you could do it with Kara. You know, I'd love to see you two together. So getting to do it with her was absolutely amazing. And also, you know, we got to live together and like, it was just like, so fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Kevin and I like to play a game with every guest we have where we kind of believe that every actress who plays Alphaba is a wizard and I Alphaba, a defined gravity Alphaba or a no good deed Alphaba. And that can mean whatever you want. Okay. But what do you classify your Alphaba as? No good deed. Ooh, immediate. Such a confident answer. Yeah. Because I'm really good at being crazy and angry and losing it. (laughs) (laughs) Having just had this whole conversation with you about how, you know, you approach the role acting first and text first. I feel like that's a very logical answer because that song is the acting moment for Alphaba. So fun. It's so fun. We've had Alphaba say that it feels like no good deed. They never had a grip on it through their whole contract. Like they always were just kind of hoping for the best. No, that was my jam. I was like, that was like my like, okay, I'm not nervous about this one. Interesting. That is so cool. Wizard and I was always my- Your hill. F out of me. Like, I had a definitely a different experience the second time when I did it on Broadway. But the first time, Wizard and I was my Achilles heel. I had a hard time with that last note. And I had struggled with pitch on that a real, really a lot. And then the second time, I came up with that option to go up. I was going to say, you're like known for that option up. It me, but I did it because it. I had a really, it made it easier. Right, out of necessity. I, yeah, I did it because I was like, what? So, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny to say that because that was the first thing I thought about when they had asked me back. That was like, literally, that's where my head went. I was like, oh, God, Wizard and I. Really? So that's when I, and I was like, how can I justify this vocally, acting wise, to get me to be able to sing this easier? I love that. And I love how confidently you said you were a no good deed alphabet. I love it. And also though, like, I, I don't understand, like my dresser, Kathy, who's done every single 
alphabet. There's like, because it's a harrowing run from like when you get off stage to where you have to like run around and like run down these stairs and then run to the, like down to the pit yeah. and like get in this thing. You don't have a lot of time. And most alphabets run. Yeah. And I walk. <laughs> So that way I wasn't out of breath. Yeah. Gotcha. You weren't stressing. Yeah. But do you need to run then? I don't think you need to run. And I've tried to tell people that you don't need to run, but I th- it's just like the adrenaline of like you run off stage and then you're like, but if you walk with purpose so that you can keep your breath down, then you can start that crazy song with some breath. And I always got there with enough time to like take a breath and like get centered before I would go up like. Jackie, this is great advice for all alphabas. Yeah, any future alphabas listening. Don't run. <laughs> Don't run. Walk with purpose. Walk with purpose and you're fine. That's good life advice too. <laughs> Walk with purpose. Walk with purpose. <laughs> oh my God. All right, should we move into As Long As You're Mine? Oh, sure. Okay, so As Long As You're Mine, we think is really interesting because it's kind of the one moment where you get this love story fantasy with her. So- I mean, what is your take on as long as you're mine? Here's the thing. Alphabet, people are like, oh, but you're pretty green. And like, oh, the girls are pretty green. You know what I mean? And Alphabet is pretty. Nobody's ever, like, Joe, when you talk to Joe Montella, the director, he's like, Alphabet's a beautiful girl. The only difference is she's green. Like, and it's that, it's that everyone else can't, like, get past the fact that she's a different color. So I love that it celebrates the fact of, like, seeing her as, like, a woman. You know, she's never celebrated in that way. Going off of that, what is your interpretation? Because there's two lines in Wicked that always get a reaction <laughs> that I always think are kind of like confusing where I'm like, we're laughing at this, but like, do we like understand it? And one of them is there's a goat on the lamb, sir, where I'm just like, I get that that's just like a funny phrase, but why are we saying that right now? <laughs> and another is for the first time I feel wicked because it's like, oh, funny. She's saying the title of the show, but it's like, wait, what, what does that mean? Like, so what did that mean to you? Because I would wager that it differs from actress to actress. Probably. Yeah. For me, it's feeling naughty, feeling sexual, feeling forbidden. Like, you know what I mean? For the first and feeling... The other thing is feeling selfish. She is so selfless. And for the first time, she's stealing a moment for herself and feeling wicked and like giving into her own desires. Uh, I love that. I have never thought of the song or that line in the ways that you just described. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any technically tricky moments that like we as audience members wouldn't necessarily pick up on during As Long As You're Mine? Oh, God, yes. Do you get knee pads for that scene? My knees would be broken. Every, all alphabets wear knee pads for the second act oh. that I know of. Wait, what? Oh. Oh, yeah. That's good. I'm glad that their knees are supported. Oh, yeah. I wear knee pads the entire show. Wait, do you also keep a piece of gum in your mouth for the entire show? Yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> I'm obsessed. Why? Is that a, just a, a good luck thing or is that a saliva thing? Saliva. You, you never get to really get water, you know? And when you do, you Right, right, right. And not a lot of time, so it just keeps it everything kind of moist. Did it fall out ever? Once, and I caught it. <laughs> and it was very funny because it was the first time on Broadway, but it was like towards the end of my contract. So, and Lisa, we were in rehearsal, and Lisa, the assistant, uh, associate director, was like, I was chewing gum. She was giving me a note, and I was chewing gum, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was like, are you chewing gum? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, spit it out. And I was like, I chew gum during the show. And she was like, no, you don't. And I was like, yes, I do. I was like, I've I've always, for the last two years, you've never seen it, have you? And she's like, no. And I was like, and you never will. And she was like, if I ever see that gum, never again, Jackie. And I'm like, okay, I promise. That night she sees the show. 
and it was during No Good Deed on Supply when we were like putting the book down, right? And I was like, and on the ply, it literally spit and I caught it. And I was freaking out because I was like, holy shit. And like, I was, I held it the entire time during the whole song, just holding this down. (laughs) And she didn't see it. I was like, thank God. But it was just so funny. It was the only time I've ever spit out my gum. Did you do that in If Then too? Yeah, every show I've ever been in. Wow. So, so far we've learned you don't have to run. And a piece of gum in your mouth will get you through the yeah. show. Yeah. All right. We have yeah. to switch gears to If Then because we couldn't be on a Wicked podcast and not talk about the fact that you stood by for Mother Alphaba Adina Menzel. <laughs> what I think is really interesting, and we had Stephanie Torrens on the podcast too, who understudied Jenna and Waitress, and she talked about how difficult it was to go on for some of the bigger stars that they had come in towards the end of the run. Well, first of all, what was your experience working with Adina Menzel? Was that a pinch me moment for you? And then what was your experience with going on for Adina? So it was a pinch me moment because like I said, like in college, I would sing Rent. Rent and Hedwig are like the only things that like I musical theater school that I ever saw. Ooh, she's a rock girl. So then getting to meet her and they were already in, they had already been in rehearsals for um, two weeks before I came in because I wasn't in the show. I just stood by. So like mm-hmm. there was no point in me being there for until they like had blocked enough for me to like come. And I remember I got there and she was like running a little late. And I just remember like her like tearing in and like throwing off her jacket because it was like cold then. And her like immediately like beeline to me and she was like, oh my God, it's like looking in the mirror. <laughs> like, and um, she was so, so nice, so lovely. And I just, I know she thinks I'm weird because I had had a standby experience where it was very aggressive. Like anytime I went on, she was always forget something in my dressing room and always would like tweet about going on before I, if I had eat, you know, like it was just, she was very like in my face and it was uncomfortable. And I was like, I will never be that kind of standby. You won't even know I am there unless I have to like, you know what I mean? Like I am, mm. I'm just going to like blend into the shadows. And then if you need me, I will appear and then I will leave. I will put my gum in and I will do the show. <laughs> yeah, you know, And to the point where like, sometimes, you know, she's, it was at the height of her career. It was when Frozen happened. It was when the Oscars adult Azim happened. I mean, it was like, she, she was, was popping like, off. She sang at the Super Bowl that year. She was the biggest star in the world at that time. It was out of yeah. control. Production obviously didn't plan on that happening. Right. Or no. Was it timed with Frozen release and all of that? Or? No, it just happened. It was like a perfect storm. Okay. So, but the second that if I had to like jump in for her, I would clock her like coming, walking back on and would just like seamlessly leave, you know, so that she mm. could like, walk on. And finally one day she, I was like doing that. I was like getting off the stage, you know, and she was like, Jackie, you can say hi to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, no, I'm just trying to like respect, like get out of the like, way. not be annoying. Not be yeah. annoying and not be like, you know, and she she's just very she was very funny. Did you guys have a we both played Alphaba moment? When we were doing if then something came out for the wicked anniversary where like they had picked a few of us to do an article on and she like came up to me and was like, I saw your picture. She was like, Oh my god, she was like, You're such a beautiful Alphaba. She was like, I always felt really pretty green too. Didn't you didn't you feel pretty? You know what I mean? Like very Oh cute. Very sweet. And she was always she's like very she's wears her heart on her sleeve. You what you see is what you get. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there was one point in tech when the director Michael I was sitting, you know, out in the audience and he was like, Jackie, go up and sing this. Adina, come down, like D come down and like I wanna give you some notes. And you know, so then I was like up there 
Well, when we first started in rehearsal, she got sick and I had to sing for her while she like went through, which is awkward in that respect. Cause you're like, how much should I sing? I don't want to sound like I'm like, right. to me sing. like, you know, yeah. like, so it's just such an awkward situation as it is. Then when I finish and like, you know, like they, we, and we were crossing on the stairs and she's like, oh, I couldn't even listen to my notes because you sounded so good. Oh my God. She's so cool. <laughs> but, um, because I wasn't in the show unless I went on for her, I didn't have the same kind of interaction everybody else did. And then the other thing that was really hard is that it was the height of her career. I can't imagine the stage door at that show. It was insanity. And it was really hard going on for her. People would, were mad at me. You know, like yeah. I had people yelling at me at the stage door, like being like, are you on tonight? I heard you were on for the matinee. And like, I'm going to be pissed if you're on tonight. And it's like, people like would forget that you're like a human being. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And you could feel the audience like being angry with me until what the fuck this song, what the fuck is when I would like get back on my side. Cause that <laughs> ending. Yeah. How could you not? <laughs> but it was, it was a very good um, way to like check your ego at the door, realize that like, all you can do is tell the story and work really hard to do that as well and as you can, you know, and not take it personally, mm -hmm. but it is hard. It's really hard. It was the hardest thing I think I've ever had to do, but it gave me a self-confidence that I hadn't had before having, I don't, I don't think there's any, anything worse than having to go out in front of an audience to carry a show for the next three hours when you can viscerally feel them hate you without even knowing wow. just because you aren't the person that they came to see. Wow. Yeah, that was very hard. Well, I know people who would run out to buy tickets when they heard that you were on an if then. I did. The week of the Super Bowl, I specifically went to see you because I, you know, heard that you were going to be on the whole week. So for every negative Nancy in the audience, there was at least one, <laughs> one gay oh boy in the back row. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jackie, this was so fun. Yeah. Uh, where can people where can people find you online? You can get me at Instagram or Twitter at Jackie Burns NYC. Amazing. Thank you so much for doing this. This yes. was fantastic. Yeah, this was so yes. great. Thank you for having me and congrats on all your upcoming guests. Oh, thank, thank you. you. It was so, so nice to meet you. You both are such handsome devils and uh, <laughs> have a great Friday night. Thank Thanks, you, you too. <laughs> bye. All right, bye. So... First of all, before we get into everything we just learned, I would just like to thank Jackie Burns for calling us handsome. Kevin, my heart skipped a beat when she said that. I have not had flutters over a woman since middle school. <laughs> what was the one thing she said that had us both shook that we didn't know? Oh, I didn't know that Elphaba's wear knee pads all of Act 2. I didn't know that, but I'm happy to have learned it. Definitely. It makes sense. As somebody with the knees of a 107-year-old man, I worry about those poor mm -hmm. actors every time because they're kneeling and they're on a raked stage. So they're kneeling and one knee's higher than the other. Their hips are probably so... I mean... No. Uh, I can't even mm -mm. kneel the way they kneel in as long as you're mine as like a person. No. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I also really loved, uh, you know, I think that as long as you're mine at face value, it's easy to write it off as like, we're doing a musical, we gotta have a love ballad. Mm -hmm. I guess we'll just have Elphaba and Fiero sing it, right? Like, yeah. Glinda and Fiero do not get the love ballad. Obviously. Obviously. But, so, but you know what I mean? Like, there's no love ballad in Act 1. Yeah. But what I thought was really interesting was that when we asked her, like, 
to her as an actress what the meaning of that song is. It was all about Elphaba. She didn't say like, it's a love song. She's like, it's a song about Elphaba mm-hmm. being celebrated as a, a woman and a, a partner and a, a, mm-hmm. a human being, which I love that take on it. And it was great to hear. I mean, you guys aren't hearing this in order, but we just recorded our episode with Emma Hunton, who also approached Alphaba from a very acting first standpoint. And so to hear Jackie also say that even when it comes to vocals, she's like, if I can't justify from an acting perspective, I don't want to do it. And I also love that she was like, I'm not going to option up a riff unless I can do it eight times a week. I love the consistency of the vocal choices. Yes. And I also love that, you know, I think that some people, when you ask them about riffing, they're like, no, I sing the score because that's what it is. But I love, I've never heard somebody say, I don't riff because I can't, or I don't want to riff in the event that I can't maintain it eight shows a week. Mm-hmm. I've like never heard that be the reason before. And yeah. so I thought that was super interesting. Because it's not like Jackie Burns doesn't riff her option up, but it's just knowing. Oh, we've heard it. We've heard it. But knowing that the options that she does choose are because one is justified from an acting perspective and two, she knows that she can do it eight times a week just adds so much more of like a gravitas to the whole choice of it all. I love it. The fact that she started vocal lessons after her first contract as Alphaba is wild to me. I was like, what? You did an entire contract and we're just like, yeah, I think I can sing. Okay. Here's my kind of like frank analysis of of what we just learned. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Frank Analysis. Guys, Frank Analysis used to be like the tagline for this podcast when we were workshopping this. Yeah, but they get it because it's a lyric in Wicked. Oh, that's true too. They're going to understand. Okay, okay. They'll get the joke. Got it. Did you get the joke when it was a tagline? (laughs) I guess not. (laughs) It's because it's in a Glinda song, so you haven't listened to it since 2004. Literally, the last time I listened to Popular, I couldn't tell you. Literally on the train today, I listened to it. All right. Anyways, But I was taking taking notes for... For what? For Glinda's Corner, for our podcast. I forgot we do that. (laughs) Oh my God. I wish we would have asked Jackie if she considers herself an actor who can sing. Just from what she was saying, she comes from everything acting first. And as you just said, she did not start training her voice until she was already into her career. Mm -hmm. Which is so funny because I feel like the perception of her is like she has this stupid, inimitable voice that is like a superhuman crazy thing. Yeah. Her the song she was talking about in If Then, the the what the fuck, the ending of that is I heard her do that live and it brought the house down. But then to hear her be like, oh yeah, like singing kind of like the second thing I think about when I I'm like, what? Ah! Because she's I feel like in her career she's been slotted into this role of like you are a beltress. We want you for your vocal cords. So I actually really mm-hmm. loved that she had the opportunity to talk about like the acting of it all, you know? Me too. Oh God. I'm really happy about that interview. I thought it was great. Thank you, Jackie, for coming on. Kevin, I think it's time for Kevin's Glinda Corner. Woo! I'm literally, guys, listeners, I pulled up my phone. Quincy literally just took his phone out. <laughs> to scroll as Kevin. To doom scroll while I do my contribution to this show. I'm sorry. That's funny. I didn't mean to do that on purpose. I know. I, I'm not mad. I, I think it's funny. Okay. So as you may remember, Quincy, Glinda's contribution to As Long As Your Mine is, I'm not that. But it's such a weird note to make Glinda sing. And so I got thinking about that and I'm like, wow, Kristen Chenoweth has 
that note, but also has like the, the, the like tap up at the end of No One Mourns, the wicked note. And so I have decided, Quincy, that this is going to be the episode where I gush about Kristen Chenoweth. Oh, I'm excited for this. I feel like we've been building up to this offline. I think we've been building and it's like, we're going to have enough to talk about next episode with, I just think this is the moment. So the role of Galinda, Glinda, is I think very difficult to fill from a casting perspective for two reasons. Number one, Kristen Chenoweth's charisma cannot be duplicated. Sure. And number two, Kristen Chenoweth has a remarkably large vocal range and impeccable technique. And so as the show was being written, it's like, oh, you want to write a comedy song where she yodels? Yeah, Kristen can handle it. And then every other Glinda that follows is like, I have to do what and what and also then what? Do you think that's a thought when they're creating a show where they're like, is this sustainable for other actresses down the line? I don't think, I mean, I'm sure to a certain degree, I don't mean to say that like no other actress has had like the range or the technique, but it's just like the bar is set so high because Kristen Chenoweth is such a spectacular force Mm -hmm. of musical theater. But what really impresses me is, like I said, she has this fantastic technique because she has a degree in opera performance. She has a degree in musical theater too, but she is a trained opera soprano. And like you brought up with Jackie, it's like, I really do think that like, the best singers are the ones who have that technique up in those high places. And so I would just like to point out like a couple moments of Kristen Chenoweth that I really love. And I encourage you listeners to listen along and come on this journey with me. I'm actually in for the spiel. What a nice change. Um, Okay. So the first thing that I would like to mention is in No One Mourns the Wicked, what a delicious crystal clear tone she has in that song. I mean, it is like so pingy and delicious and so good specifically i love the way she sounds on the the lyric outlive a lie because she says like outlive a lie it's like four syllables the word lie but each one is placed so impeccably but then when you get to the end when she's like goodness knows can you believe that's the same fucking person that's singing i'm not that And then I have one more part to point out, if I can. I mean, what a Glinda Corner, guys. What a Glinda Corner. The last little bit that I want to suggest our listeners go and check out is the entirety of Popular. Um, (laughs) And what what I would like to say about Popular is that I feel like we do a lot of talking about how altos and belters navigate their break. We never talk about sopranos navigating their break going into the lower parts of their register. And the way Kristen Chenoweth navigates her break in popular is a masterclass. And it is so enjoyable if like if you're the four people in the world who enjoy things like this. Regardless, Kristen Chenoweth is navigating her break with the agility of a 14-year-old Olympic gymnast. It is so good. And specifically, I would like to bring your attention to the part of the song where she says, don't be offended by my frank analysis. Think about that whole part. All the way up to, uh, there's nobody wiser not when it comes to. That whole chunk, she is placing her voice in a different way like every five words. It's such a good example of technique in that 
uh, it, like technique is duplicating the process, not the result, right? And so it's like Kristen Chenoweth, she's probably not even thinking about that. You know what I mean? Like she's not in, she wasn't in the studio recording the cast album being like, okay, and on the word Frank analysis, I'll put it here. And if I do it this way, she just sings and it happens, I would imagine. Yeah. Because the technique is there. Much like Jackie Burns. Much she can like, like Jackie Burns. Okay, look at me tying this whole episode together. The same way that Jackie Burns can like throw a piece of gum in her mouth and do no good deed because she knows it's going to be there because Kevin, it's what and I loved hearing her say too that she was like, yeah, like I know the voice is going to be there because I know that I'm justifying it as an actress. Remarkable. It spoiler alert. It does not work that way for (laughs) anybody else, but I love that it works for her. Yeah. And the same thing is I love that like Kristen Chenoweth can just throw herself around and be like goofy Glinda because those impeccable chords are just there carrying her through. Yeah. No, I mean, you're absolutely correct, Kevin. And Kristen Chenoweth is a talent above all talent. Above all. I will give you above that. Above all else. I will give me that. I have a signed Kristen Chenoweth record in my living room right now. See? <laughs> so as much as I'm not a Glinda girl, <laughs> I'm very much a Glinda girl. <laughs> Do you know Kristen Chenoweth follows me on Twitter? Wait, no. She does because there, okay, maybe you'll remember this because you're like on the internet. There was this video like maybe a year and a half ago of like a ball of dough and somebody like drew a face in the dough and then dragged the mouth down and like sang an opera note. I like quote tweeted it and was like, is this Kristen Chenoweth? And she she saw it. I like didn't tag her in because I like didn't want to be that person. And then somebody somebody tagged her in it, and she responded. She was like, "Oh my god, this is so funny!" And then she followed me. Do you know the fun fact of about her voice teacher in college? No, tell me. Oh my god! So Kristen Chenoweth and Kelly O'Hara studied under the same voice teacher in college. Of course. They Doesn't that make sense? Yeah. Another set of impeccable uh-huh. chords, Kelly O'Hara. Yeah. Speaking of Sopranos, I just saw Audrey McDonald live in concert. I don't know if I can be super specific at this, but I just saw Audrey McDonald live in concert and it gave me a huge appreciation for Sopranos. I love that her set list is not just made up of soprano musical theater songs. Like there are songs that, um, I love that how diverse her set list is. It's she did before the parade passes by last night and I was like, oh, died. I can't wait for that revival. This outro has been 40 minutes. This happens to us every week. Okay, well, Quincy, thank you for spending such a fun-filled Friday night talking about Wicked with me. I had a thought. I was like, you know what? In a pandemic, this is the like most fun Friday night I could be having. Yeah. What Broadway star did you talk to today? Yeah. I talked to Jackie Burns. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. We'll see you next week. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Hopefully, if this episode is coming out when we think it is. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Talk to you next Bye. week. You've been listening to Sentimental Men. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Quincy Brown and Kevin Bianchi. Thanks to Julia DeMarzo for our thrillifying artwork. And thanks to you for tuning in. You can reach us at sentimentalmenpod at gmail.com. Or on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at sentmenpod. That's S-E-N-T-M-E-N-P-O-D. Till next time, I'm Quincy. And I'm Kevin. I would love to hear Jackie Burns sing Get Out and Stay Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah.